Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So my desire this morning is, again, not going to be, uh, if you see there's no text at the top of the page, uh, not going to be an expository message. I desire to preach a very simple message. You know, a lot of the times, um, you know, and I'm very guilty, but a lot of times we can dig into a text, we can plow down deep, we can try to bring out all of the theological things, and all of that's good, and I love all that. Here's the problem. A lot of times we have a lot of people in the congregation who say, I haven't got a clue, right? <laughs> Great message, Pastor. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. I, I don't know. How, how, how does that apply to me? And, and Josh has been, I, I didn't do this on purpose, actually didn't, didn't dawn on me just a few minutes ago, but Josh has uh, taught for a long time all of his lessons, and now he's going back and, and basically saying, did you understand it the first time? Right? That's kind of what we're doing this morning. We've come to a place, a lot of things we've learned. So I have preached on all of these things multiple, multiple times and have dug into the Bible to bring these things out multiple times. But this morning I want to take all that away and just make it simple. Really what I want is everybody to leave out of here saying, I understand. Wouldn't that be, as a preacher, wouldn't that be great for everyone to go away saying, I I get it. I, I understand. So, so my desire this morning is to make this very simple, very easy. Uh, last week we, pre- we preached about leaders in the church. We have principal leader, a proven leader, a potential leader, and a possible leader. We said that includes everybody in the church. And, and although I think that is, is where we're trying to structure our church to go, do you guys even understand how that applies to you? And so this morning, I, again, I, I just want to, if you'll allow me, to, to try to clarify, to simplify, to break it down on the, on the simplest level uh, so as we can go away this morning understanding what we're supposed to be doing at church. We are at a, we're at a pivotal point at Sand Hill, and I believe that we all need to do what we're supposed to be doing Here's what I believe. I believe that particularly everybody that's here this morning, I believe that you all will do what you're supposed to do if you can figure out what you're supposed to do, right? (laughs) And sometimes some really, really good people sit in church and it's not that they're rebellious or that they are not, they they just don't understand. So this morning, that's what our our goal is. So let me give you an illustration. Maybe this will help us get headed down the right road. I want to talk about two churches. So follow me. I want to talk about two churches. The first church, we have the people go to church every service. The the congregation is there, all three services, there for Sunday school, all three services, they are always faithful to church because they are told if you're a Christian, you're supposed to go to church. The, The congregation at this church uh, always pays their tithes every week. Everybody in the church pays their tithes every week because they're told Christians are supposed to pay tithe. The people in this church, um, they, they love each other because they are told you're supposed to love each other if you're a Christian. 
The people in this church are involved in all the ministries that are going on. They're working and they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Why? Because they're told if you're a Christian, you will, you will be involved in the things going on in the church. Now, if you're pastoring a church and you've got a congregation that is coming to every service, paying their tithes, loving each other, and involved in everything going on, what more could you dream of? Is that not the ideal church? I mean, is that not every pastor's dream? I want to tell you that's not church. I want to tell you that's not New Testament church. I'll tell you that's not what we want. That's not what we want at Sand Hill. I just, I just lose all of you right there. <laughs> Here's what we want at Sand Hill. Here's the second church. So that was the first church. That was the first church. Here's the second church. Everybody is here, whether it's snowing or not, all three services. Sister Tina, not because they have to, because they get to. Not coming because the preacher said you got to be there if you're a Christian. You're coming because you don't want to miss it because you really want to be here. Everyone in the church is paying their tithes, not because God says you have to, but because you say, I don't want to miss out on being a part of what God's doing. And not only will I give my tithes, but if you need more than that, I'll give some offerings to do whatever needs done because I love Jesus. Everyone is not loving other people in the church because God says you have to. Get this, because you really do love them. We went to a men's conference, which, you know, all of us macho, tough guys got in the room all alone. None of you women around to mess us up. And we were there just being manly and tough and macho. And we started talking about how much we love each other. We all started crying. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was something... I mean, acting like a bunch of women, we just boo-hooing and crying and wiping tears and snot and loving each other. And you know why? Not because someone said you have to do this, because there's something inside of us that we love each other. Amen. See, I'm trying to show you the difference between a church that's doing what the Bible says and a church that's doing what the God's doing something in them. And when God is makes you love each other and when God makes you want to come to church and when God makes you, you're not coming out here to, to work on things in the church because you have to, you're coming out here and say, I don't want to miss out on it. I want to be a part of what's going on. That is church. Is there a difference in those two? And I think so often in Christianity, we look at that church and, and, and again, I think most church, most preachers in, the, in America would be just tickled death if their people would just come to church and put a little bit of money in the offering. And they say, we've got victory, but I don't find that in the New Testament. I was thinking, I'm trying not to be sidetracked, but I want you guys to get this. But I was thinking this morning, you know, uh, to be real, real honest, uh, um, I didn't realize the roads were as bad as they were. When I, when I got this morning, it wasn't much snow, and it snowed some, and, and I knew there was some snow, but I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. And I got to come around, I thought, oh, my goodness, it's, I got a four-wheel drive. It wasn't no big deal to me. But, but I, I got to come over, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is worse than I thought. And then I began to wonder, is anybody going to show up? But here's what I thought. 
You guys didn't come because you have to. You guys came because you wanted to be here. You had a good reason to stay home. You could have texted me and said, Renee said, Tina will come. She, she's, she's, no offense to you, but she, she's a, a single woman. She doesn't have her husband with her. She had every reason to say, I don't want to take a chance on not being there. And I could have called her and said, Tina, I think it'd be better if you'd stay home. But you know what? She didn't come because she has to. She come because she wanted to. Do you guys see the difference in everything that we do in this church? If you're not catching on yet, most people here are doing it because they want to. It isn't a guilt trip. It isn't shame on you. If you don't do this, you better give us your money and you better come to church. You be it is. This is what happens when you love Jesus. And that is a very different two types of churches. So in one of those churches, uh, <clears throat> Um, both of them, the same thing is happening, but because uh, they, one of them is because they have to, and one is because they get to. Huge difference. Huge difference. <clears throat> now, we're going to talk about personalities. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about callings. We're going to talk about all these things. These things have been preached over and over by me and by many people. If you listen to a lot of preaching, preaching on the radio and everything else, you'll hear this preached over and over and over and over again about gifts and about callings and about uh, talents and about all of these different things. And again, I and I, you know, and they've come up with all these different ways to figure out. <clears throat> but but I I've been asked by several of you. And all of the preaching that I've done and all the preaching that everyone else has done, there are still a lot of people who say, how do I know what my gift is? How do I know what my gift is? How do I know what my calling is? I think the people here this morning, if you knew what your gift was, you'd be glad to use it. You don't know what it is. And I think that a lot of you would say, if God would show me my calling, I'll sign up. I'll do it. I just don't know what my calling is. And to be real honest, a lot of, and I'll blame it on the preachers, but a lot of maybe because they've made it too complicated, maybe they've made it something that it's not necessarily what the Bible says. I think a lot of times, if you're sitting in the pew where you guys are sitting, I think a lot of really good people sit in the pew and say, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know why I'm here. I love Jesus, just don't know why I'm here. So is there anybody here, this is, I don't know, if I'm, I'm trying to get to somewhere. Is there anybody here, is there any of you lay members who said, Pastor, I would like for you to make it simple enough that I could understand what I'm supposed to do at Sand Hill Church? If not, we might as well just go eat right now. Okay, does anybody want to know? I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to make it simple enough where I can understand it. That is our desire this morning, just to break it down real simple where everybody can understand it. <clears throat> so for, for those of you with theological minds, this is not going to be deep. And those of you who want to, uh, for me to back everything up and, and, and run out great depths in, in Scripture, not going to do that this morning. I'm going to make it simple. You say, well, you missed this part of this word. I'm making it simple. Everybody got that? I, I want everybody to leave out of here saying, I know it. Because here, here's the thing. If everybody here, just the crowd we have this morning, if everybody here really knows what God wants and why you were here and you do it, it will drastically change our church. Amen? So we're, we're, so we're going to just, we're just going to break it down. So first thing I want us to look at, <clears throat> the sovereign design. The sovereign design. Everybody here, when you were in your mother's womb, God gave you a personality and certain natural abilities. 
Isn't it, isn't it amazing? I, I just, it just blows my mind uh, with, with all of my grandkids in, in particular. Isn't it amazing how much personality a six-month-old can have? You think it's a baby. And just night and day difference between the kids. They get to be a year old and you think, how could they have that much personality? And it's just oozing out of them. Who put that there? God did. Some are, are outgoing and they're just going to, you know, they're just always got something to say. Some are real quiet and just want to be, you know, all by themselves. Some always want to be the center of attention. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's some always just want you to be a, a, a attention from them. Uh, they're, they're all different styles. Where'd that come from? God. So everybody that I'm looking at, everybody here uh, this, mo- this morning, every single person here, God designed you in a very specific way. Can I get an amen? Some of you are introverts. That, that just simply means you're, you're not really want to be out in front. You, you kind of are the quiet one that wants to stay behind and not be noticed. <clears throat> Some of you are extroverts and you're not happy unless you're out in front of everybody. Right? <clears throat> Renee, I've got my water there in front of Tina. <clears throat> I meant to bring it. And apologize for that. <clears throat> Some of you are, uh, now get this, some of you are, thank you, some of you are very affectionate. Some of you have no affection. Now, is that, some of that just what God puts in us? You know, I, I follow a lot of pastors, and a lot of pastors I really, really, really look up to, and 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 a lot of pastors I think, you know, man, they're just they're just great pastors. But here's what I got to notice: and some of those pastors, because because I'm just kind of, and, and and I get to realizing this part of this message, I get to realizing God just made me. I, I'm kind of a softy. I, I I I'm an affectionate person. I love people. I I like to love on people. I, that's just who I am. But I see other, and I I mean, they are great pastors, great men of God, great great mighty men of God who are building great and mighty churches, they have no affection whatsoever. I mean, they never would be nice to their people. They'd never love on their people. They'll they'll never do anything. But you know what? God designed that. Are you guys following me? Wouldn't it be boring if every pastor was exactly the same? Wouldn't it be boring if every church member was exactly the same? We have some sitting here among us who are not affectionate at all. We have others who are very affectionate. We have some who talk all the time. We have some who won't talk at all. We, we have all these different personalities, but what my point is, is God designed you in a very specific way. So we, ha- so, so we have that, uh, that, this is kind of the, uh, the, the first point is kind of that holy DNA I'm talking about. So God, before you're in your mother's womb, he designed your, your natural being, if you will, your personality, your, your soul, really, if you will, he designed that for a particular reason. But not only did he give you your, all of your natural inclinations, and, and along with that, there is the natural. You know, there are some people who are just by nature, and I'm talking now still your physical being. There are some people just by nature that are kind of leaders. I said last week, just because you are, are kind of a natural leader doesn't mean you're a spiritual leader. It's not the same thing. 
There, there are people who have a lot of different abilities and talents, and, and naturally, it's not the same thing as spiritually. <clears throat> so then, still building our, our holy DNA and still under sovereign design, uh, not only does God give us a, a personality and our talents and all things naturally, but he also comes along and gives us spiritual gifts. Now, I've preached this over and over and over and over again, but every single Christian here has a spiritual gift. Everybody does. The Bible teaches every Christian, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. So God is forming you for a particular reason. So he gave you a personality when you were born, and then after you got saved, he gave you gifts uh, that, that he said he, you could use for the church to, to benefit the church. So you have spiritual gifts, and that, that is simply a, um, a, a, a spiritual abilities to do what he has for you to do. And then, then the third thing, as he's building your holy DNA, there is a calling on your life. So you have your personality, you have the gifts that God gives you, and then you have the calling on your life. <clears throat> we, were, we were standing around in the room at, at the men's re uh, retreat this weekend, just us guys from Sand Hill. Everybody knows this about Brother Charles, if, uh, if, you've, been, if you've known Brother Charles very long. But Brother, Brother Charles said, he said, I should be dead. Now, isn't that true? <laughs> if you know Charles, and he began to tell us he was going 100 mile an hour and wrecked a truck, and he did, or wrecked his car, and he did this, and, and you know, and I've known Brother Charles one time, so I know these things are true. He should have died a long time ago, right? I mean, there's really not a real good explanation why he didn't, right? And if you know the life that he's lived, it really doesn't make sense that he's still here. But after he got through saying all of that, this is what Charles said. But God kept me so I could be right here. Does that make sense to anybody? And then all of us got to looking around there, and I'm just thinking probably everybody who went to that men's retreat, uh, all of us guys I'm talking about, we probably did some pretty stupid things. We shouldn't be here right now. Right, Brother Terry? Say, <laughs> we did some stupid things when we were kids. We should have died. But God spared us for right now so he could use us right now. And that's the picture I'm trying to draw for you is everything that has happened, all of, the, all of the experiences of your life, all the personality of your life, the giftings God's given you, everything that he's done, he, it's not an accident. It's not, a, it's not like the world tries to say it just, it's just, it just happenstance. No, it's by design. Everything that has brought you, whether, whether, you're, whether you're 20 years old this morning or whether you're, whether you're a little kid or, what, or whether you're one of the oldest ones in church, you are here for a reason and it all makes sense and God has a design getting you where he wants you to be. So he can use you. So there's a calling on your life. And that calling, we're going to get into that a little, little later here. Um, but that calling is just simply, um, there's a reason you're here. Listen, everybody look right here. You are here for a reason. There's not one person here that's not here for a reason. You are here for a reason. God in heaven, uh, however long ago you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, he was planning on this day right now. He was planning on this day. Is that boggling anybody's mind? 60, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever it was, he planned for today because he had something for you to do. Does that get you? And that's what we want to understand. And we can talk, we talk about all these things that gets confusing, but when we just really understand God's got a plan bringing you to where he wants you to be so you can do what he wants you to do, I hope that makes it a little bit clearer to you. <clears throat> 
So the, the second point, standard needs I know I simplified this, and for you theologians, just excuse me. But if you go over into Corinthians and into Romans and into Ephesians, and you go over all of the things, and we've done that many, many times before, and we study out all the spiritual gifts and all of the things that God gives the church and all that is there, and you really boil it all down and you make it very, very simple and you make it so it's easy for everyone to understand. And I know there are subpoints to this and everything else, but if you just allow me to be simple, if you look at everything in here, that God gives for a gift, and if you look at every church, there are really some standard things that God gives us. There are speaking gifts. Now, the speaker's not the most important person, but if we come out here every week and we all sit down there and nobody stands up here, what are we gonna do? <laughs> Someone's got, someone's got to be speaking. So God knows that. So that is a need that every church has. Uh, the, 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 there are people who can speak, people who can teach, people who can preach, people who can, who can get in front of the congregation and tell them things. There is a need for speaking, and there is a natural ability. But I want you to understand, there, are, uh, there is a, a spiritual gift that God gives you the ability to speak in front of. Have you ever heard, and I would be one of these people, but have you ever heard preachers or, or maybe other people who say, before I got called to preach, I would never speak in front of anybody. Right? And now you can't keep me from it. Right? And what I'm just saying is so that that is, and we can we can break that into all kinds of things, but if you just allow me to really simplify it, everybody at Sand Hill Church uh, that that is up here speaking or in some capacity speaking, you, you sisters that are teaching the classes, uh, you that are doing podcasts, you that are all of you that are using your voice for Jesus, that's a gift. That's a gift. You say, I don't know what my gift is. Well, hoping it's over, you realize it's not nearly as complicated as you think. There are people who are, are, are using their voice to, to, um, for the service of the church. Secondly, and again, a lot of things go in this category, but I think if you really break it down and simplify it, every church needs some people to worship. Right? Now, I, 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 I don't have time to go into all the details of this, but I just want to say, I'm not talking about just the singers. I'm talking about a gift to worship. Now, is it true or is it not true? You guys answer me. You guys talk to me. Is it true that every, if you are a born-again Christian, you ought to come to church to worship God? Is that true? There's nobody here that gets a pass on that. If you're here, you're supposed to be worshiping God, right? Every Christian here, should, even uh, Juliet and, and uh, Kari, are supposed to be worshiping Jesus. So it's all, it's all, all of us worship. But how many of you know it does seem like there are some people that it really gets a hold of them differently than others? We've talked about that a thousand times. I'm not going to belabor that point again. I'm just saying there are people when it comes time to worship, they shine. And there are other people who quietly worship in their seat. They're both worshiping, but there are some who have a gift to worship. There are people in this church who can move this church to where God's at. There are other people who have to be moved to where people are. And I've heard that criticized all my life, and I've always heard how horrible that was. And you ought to be able to move yourself in and all that. And I'm not getting into all that. I'm just saying this. It is clear from the New Testament. There are people who are supposed to lead us into worship. 
Amen? So we have speaking gifts, we have worshiping gifts, and then we have organizing gifts. And again, I know great generalities, but can I just tell you, you, you can't have, uh, oh, well, I, I better be careful how I say it. <clears throat> if you do it right, you got to have somebody organizing things. In other words, if we're going to, if we're going to have a revival, if we're going to have a homecoming, if we're going to have an outreach event, if anything that we're going to do, someone has to be in charge and say, we're going to start at this time. We're going to have this. We're going to do that. This is how it's going to go. And the Bible calls that the gift of administration. Now, how many of you know, how many of you know that there are people in this church who love Jesus with all of their heart, that if you put a gun to their head, they couldn't organize something? Am, are, are you guys, I'm not being mean. I, God knows I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to prove a point. Not everybody's called to be an administrator. Not everyone's called to organize. But how many of you know there are other people in this church that they would like to put a gun to your head if you don't organize? Right? It, it is, it is, it, it, if it's not organized, they go crazy. What I'm, what I'm saying is some people, God has given them to the church as a gift to organize what we are doing. So we have speaking gifts, we have worshiping gifts, we have organizing gifts, and then last of all, and this is all played out in the Bible, and if you want to sit down and talk about it, we can do that at another time, but we've preached on it many, many times. The last thing, there are workers. So you got someone doing all the speaking, you got someone uh, that, is, that, is, that is leading us into worship, you've got someone who's kind of telling us all where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing, and somebody's got to be doing all that stuff. Are you guys following me at all? Amen. Listen, it's great to have a great Sunday school teacher. But if there's no one to teach, what's the point? <laughs> it's great to have great singers. But if you guys aren't here, it doesn't matter. It's great to have an idea how to have camp. But if no one's going to do it, <laughs> it's kind of meaningless to organize it. And God knew all of that. And I know that is very simplistic, but I think in every single church on the planet, you can go to Haiti, you can go to Africa, you can go to Russia, uh, you can go uh, 2,000 years ago, or you can go 1,000 years in the future. I think every church needs people who can speak, people who will worship, people who can organize, and people who will do the work. I know that's very simple, but I think that is the gifts of the Spirit. So God gives everybody. So if you're following along, God gifted you from birth, and then every single person here fits into one of those four categories. To, to, and that's, and, and Velvet's right. There's sometimes you, you kind of run over a little bit, right? There are people who, are here, who, who maybe have one and a half of those or two and a half of those or, you know, they're, they're, they're not just always clean cut. But, but my point is God puts you here for a reason. There's a reason you're here. And it isn't really, here's where I think we go wrong. It really isn't for your choosing, God fixed you the way he wanted you to. I don't have time to preach this. It takes way too long. I, I think if you've been in church any time, you know this. But there are a lot of people who decide to get where they're not gifted, and they make themselves and everybody else totally miserable because they don't know how to do what they're doing. You don't get to choose your own gifting. You don't get to choose your own calling. God gives you the gifting, and then God gives you the calling, and you just simply do what God says because as Josh says, we can do nothing, right? It is God getting us where we're supposed to be. And when we try to do what we want to do instead of what God wants, it's really, really bad. Okay? I don't have time to preach that. Just remember that. So thirdly, <clears throat> thirdly, we have special calling. And I believe this, I, I think spiritual gifts are really, really confused. 
I think we don't understand spiritual gifts, and I don't know that this is simplifying it out enough where we can really grasp it, but I think with spiritual gifts, they make all kinds of tests, they make all kinds of complications, make all kinds of confusion, and everybody wants to be able to read the Bible, and, and boy, I want a sign from heaven that this is my gift. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you, I'm trying to simplify this, if you just think about what God's wired you to do in this church, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Am I getting this? Is anybody understanding this? I think Casey and Callan are getting this good. I don't know about you guys. If God's made you a certain way, that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's not that complicated, right? It's not that difficult. It's not that complicated. So then we talk about callings. Um, Josh brought this to me. Uh, he's one of the first people that really kind of started bringing it to my attention. And... You know, I've, I've, I've talked about my calling over and over. I'm not going to go through all the, the story of my calling. Uh, but, but my calling was never what I was told it was supposed to be. Really, to be honest with you, you know, you know kind of like the road to Damascus with, uh, with the Apostle Paul, um, I kind of thought, you know, if you get called to preach, you know, the heavens are going to open and lightning is going to fly and, you know, the volcanoes are going to open up and God himself is going to step off a throne and say, I want you to preach. I, that's how I'd always heard it presented. So that's, and then, and then they told me, they said, well, you're being called to preach. And I said, well, I haven't seen that happen yet. And I really struggled with that. And since that day, because of the things I've been taught, since that day, I have often thought when I got a really bad thing or everyone was telling me I was doing what was wrong, I've often thought, well, maybe I was never called to preach. I mean, I'm talking after I pastor for 10 years. I, maybe I was never called to preach. I never had that lightning in the sky experience. But God's always come back and said, I called you. Not them. I called you. It doesn't have to be what they say. I called you. And... And, and so Josh coming and kind of uh, struggling with what calling is, he said, Dad, I think I've been called to preach, but it ain't nothing like anybody says it's supposed to be. Then we're talking to Mark Price. Mark Price is the, I don't know what his official title is, but if, oh, he's, he's the moderator of the state of all the Free Baptist churches, and he's a really, really smart guy. And, and me and Josh are standing around talking to him, and this is what he says to me and Josh. He looks over and says, you know, he said, we got all these young guys here. We got a lot of young guys at the thing. He said, we need young preachers. And he said, these guys are confused because they don't know what a calling is. They're waiting for lightning in the sky and some great thing to happen. And, and he said, they need to understand that's not what it is. And so I think that a lot of you sitting here, and so now we're not talking about preachers. We're talking about all of you, okay? We're talking about Rachel, and we're talking about Jenny, and we're talking about Charlene, and we're talking about Tina, we're talking about everybody here. We're not looking for lightning in the sky. Sometimes it's as simple as just paying attention to what God's doing. And I want you guys to get that. So he's give you a gift, and he says, I give you that gift for a reason. Uh, the, the, that is a very biblical concept. So, so let's see if we can't make your calling a little more simple uh, for, for everybody here. Because my guess is <clears throat> most of us here are not going to get that lightning in the sky, uh, God stepping off his throne and, and asking you to do what he wants you to do, okay? You might, but most of us won't. <clears throat> God makes you excited, I don't know if that, what that means to you, but that is the most profound thing I've probably ever told you guys. I'm going to try and show you that, but that, that is a profound thing. Your desires change. These guys have taught me a lot, these, these men, um, not just over the weekend, but, but from our men's breakfast, they have taught me a lot. Let me, let, me try to, let me try to help you guys get this. <clears throat> 
Um, I, I've said this before, but when I was in school, I liked to read. I hated reading, right? And uh, despised it. I think when I graduated high school, I don't know that I had ever read a book ever. You know, we had a book report. I would just read uh, here a little bit, here a little bit, there enough to get right down. And, you know, I, who reads a book? I mean, it's the silliest thing. Who would ever want to do that there? And, but God called me to preach. And God called me to teach a congregation what thus saith the word of God. Strangest thing. There's nothing I would rather do. You want to make this boy excited. You tell me Saturday you have nothing to do. Get to the church about 7 o'clock and until 9 o'clock Saturday night, all you got to do is sit in your office and read a book. I'm telling you what, it don't get any better than that. I mean, I'm talking about that is the most exciting day. Um, I mean, I, I'm just, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. I, I, I mean, I start thinking about it and I just, I mean, I get chills just thinking about how much fun that's going to be. They, this whole, over the weekend, everybody else was sleeping. We didn't get to bed too late. We didn't get much sleep all night long. I set my alarm early. I can't tell you how much fun I had going over to that place all by myself in the quiet and getting down and talking to my God and reading the Bible. Now, if you're following, who made that exciting? Is it because Gary likes to read? Is it because Gary's a scholarly guy? No, that's my calling. Now, let's, let's look at it this way. This is what you guys have taught me. If I was to take Steve and Charles and say, I'm going to give you all day Saturday, I'm going to lock you in my office, and I need you to read a book all day long Saturday, you would say, put a gun to my head and shoot me, right? I would much rather do that than have to do that, right? That would be torture, but if I say, we have, some, we have something here at the church that needs done, they're going to say, oh, let's get together. We'll do that. We'll work on that. Then we'll have lunch. Then we'll do this. It is, it's going to be, can I tell you the real honest truth? If it, if it needs done, you, you guys know me. I'm not a sissy. I can fix things. I can, I can fix anything around here, okay? But if something needs done church, I don't get excited about that. If we're having a day, we got to go all day off work. I don't want to. You know what I'm thinking about? The whole, but see, the whole time I'm out there helping you pick something up, you know what I'm thinking? I wish I'd get this done so I go back in church and study. Is anybody following that? Who gave you that? Who did that? And so, but do we need both? What if we just had a whole church full of people who wanted to do nothing but sit in an office and read a book? It won't work. It won't work. What if we had a whole church full of people who wanted to do nothing but fix things? It won't work. Is anybody following what I'm saying? We make it so complicated. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? What do you like to do? What did God wire you to do? How are, what is it that you find fun to do? What is it when they say, when they get up in the pulpit and they say, we need this done, what is it your heart starts beating a little bit faster? And you think, I could do that. I could do that. I'm good at that. I, I want to be able to do that. What is it when you say that? They think, oh, man, I hope they don't ask me to do that. I don't want to do that, right? It's that simple, people. Sometimes you're just wired a certain way. And your calling is what you get excited about. Is anybody here, is anybody here, Casey and Cal, where are you guys at? You guys getting this? I, I think they're following me, all right? I, don't, I think this is simple. You get excited about what God calls you to do. Now, I threw this in here kind of as a little safety net. I really don't think we need it. I hope we don't need it for anybody here, but I, I think it is a safety net because I have been in church long enough to know we need this safety net. <clears throat> While I do believe that God makes you want to do what he wants you to do, 
And when you're at where we are as a church, as a congregation of Sand Hill, when you are where we are, as so far as getting close to God and really putting God first, all those things, I think God will start calling us out into places where we're supposed to be. Some of you need to just be helping, and some of you need to be doing the work, and some of you need to be speaking, and some of you need to be worshiping, and some of you need to be organizing, but we all have something to be doing. So, but I put this in there for safety. Whatever you're calling, it should be confirmed by the body. Others are blessed by your calling. Now, <clears throat> we have someone in the church. Uh, how do I say this? They are just assured that God has called them to be the singer in the church. The only problem is God didn't tell none of the rest of us. Are you guys following that whatsoever? <laughs> There are people, and we don't, I haven't seen this in a long, long time, but there are people who are assured that my calling in life is I ought to be a singer. The only problem is nobody else agrees with that. Now, and I want to say this too. If your mama tells you you can sing good, that doesn't mean you can sing good, okay? <laughs> just, just throw that out there for you, okay? Because mama's going to say you sing good no matter how bad you sound, right? But what is my point? When you sing and everybody in the church is Worshiping God, that's a pretty good indication that came from God. When you sing and everybody's got their head down and can't wait until it's over, that might be an indication that you don't have the gift. <laughs> Is that simple? And the reason I say, well, I want to run this. I, I feel like I have the gift of organization. I want to run this new ministry. But every time you ever do that, it is a total flop and no one is blessed by it. And all the other people have to pick up the pieces that you dropped because you made such a mess of it. You're probably not called to be an organizer. Is anybody following this? It's not that complicated. We get sometimes in positions where we don't belong. I've seen over and over and over again, people think that they're called to do something. And it's an absolute train wreck. And we're too nice to say that you're doing a terrible job. But nobody in the body is saying, you are really blessing me. You are saying you're making it terrible on all of us. Right? If you put a worker where, uh, in, in a speaking position, they're going to be miserable. If you put a speaker in a worker in position, they're going to be miserable. If you change these things up and put them where they don't belong, it's not going to work. But when you get where you're supposed to be, there'll be people who say, thank you. You are a blessing to me. We have Velvet and Josh and those who, and those who are, are more in, a, in an organizing capacity. Aren't we thankful for them? Don't we know I can't do what they do? You know, I'm the pastor of this church. I'd, I'd be the top guy, right? But you know what I know? I can't do what they do. God didn't give me the gift. God didn't give me the calling, right? And you guys all know that. Does that make me any less of a pastor? I, I'm not wired that way. I cannot do it. I'm thankful that I, that I can say as a church we're going to do it right, and I have people who will do it right, but I can't do that. If they weren't here, someone else would have to do it because I can't do it. But you know what? I'm not called to do it. I don't get excited when they say, well, you sit down and organize a meal. I don't get excited. I don't say, man, I can't wait to do that. Have you ever watched Velvet when you ask her to do that? She gets excited. What in the world? You know, it's a call. Is anybody getting this? I'm trying to make it simple. Someone looks on your face. I'm not sure you're getting it. It's, you get excited about it, and it is a blessing to the other people in the church. <clears throat> the body is edified by you. I should have put the whole body is edified by you. If you have a best friend who says, you're, you're really blessing me, that, that doesn't count. So it's something you enjoy doing. It, it's something that others confirm, and it is blessing the entire body. <clears throat> so I'm going to read just a few. 
I'm going to read just a few scriptures to you. Again, not, a, not an expository message. These are really illustration uh, texts. Uh, and, and, and we could have gave a whole bunch of them, but just to make them, just to get the point across what the Bible teaches, if you're following everything I've said. <clears throat> Romans chapter 11, verse 13, For I speak unto you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now, all throughout the New Testament, it teaches that Paul is the, the uh, apostle to the Gentiles. So what does that mean? That means Paul got on a ship when they were beating him, stoning him. He was shipwrecked. He was starving. They were running him out of town. And every time, whenever he got up, you know what he said? I got to go tell more Gentiles. And he was setting up churches. And after he got them set up, then he went back and, and established them to, to keep them going. Because his heart, his passion, his excitement was for the Gentiles. You know, little, there's a little neat, neat, neat little thought. The great apostle Paul, the, this great, greatest apostle that we can read of, this great man of God, you know what we never find? Well, I should say never. Very rarely do we find he didn't spend any time in Israel. Think about that. He, he was always out running around with the Gentiles. You know why? That's his calling. That's his heart. Now, we look at... Uh, 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 we'll get these out of order. We'll, we'll get to here in a second. We look at Colossians 4.14. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Luke was a doctor. He no doubt had been uh, born with a, you know, maybe a little bit more of intelligence. He had some education. He had been taught to be a doctor. Uh, you know, the great, the great uh, beloved physician Luke, we don't have, we don't have him, uh, recorded him being a great preacher. I know he wrote Luke. He wrote that really almost as a official document, is to say this is what happened. I, the doctor, say this is what happened. He wrote Acts to let us know what happened. But what my point is, he was called by God just as much as Paul. He didn't do everything Paul did. He was by Paul's side. He doctored Paul. He took care of Paul. He wrote letters about Paul. But he didn't do the same job as Paul because he had a different calling than Paul. Which one was greater? It was what God called them to be. Could Luke ever have been Paul? Could Paul ever have been Luke? No. Are you guys getting the point? I think sometimes in church we get to thinking there's a gift that you want. There's, you know what the gift you want? The one God gave you. That's the one you want. If it's to come out here and cut the grass, that's the gift you want. It, whatever that gift is, whatever God gave you, you want to say, praise God, I got this gift, and I can do it better than anybody. Because God gifted me to do it. <clears throat> Acts 4.36, <clears throat> And Joseph, who, was, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. So Barnabas, from his, from his first mention in Scripture all the way to his death, do you know what he did? He encouraged people. Here's a really strange thing for you, but Charles... The great apostle Paul, you know what you don't find in the Bible? Him encouraging people. Has everybody thought about that? You've got the great apostle Paul, he never encourages people. He's always preaching to them. And you have the Barnabas, who some might say, well, he's not near important. Do you know what he was always doing? He was going over to the guy who was down and saying, can I help you out? Can I lift you up? Can, can, I, can I make things better for you? Which one of those was more important, by the way? Why don't you go ask John Mark which one was more important? Right? 
Paul said, I ain't doing nothing with him. Barnabas says, I will do what it takes to get him back where he can be used by God. So what I'm just trying to say is, see, here's what I think. I think when Paul saw someone mess up, Paul thought, I'm moving on to the Gentiles. You know what Barnabas thought when he saw somebody messing up? I'm going to help that guy. I'm going to get down where he's at, and I'm going to help pick him back up. And Paul's thinking, what are you doing that for? And Barnabas said, it's my calling. It's why I'm here. Is anybody following me this morning? It, 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 is, it, is what, it is what you're wired to do. There are people in this church who when you see someone hurting, you are drawn to them to pick them back up. There are other people in this church that never even crosses your mind. It isn't because we're good people and bad people. It is because we have different callings. <clears throat> uh, Acts 6.8, And Stephen, full of the faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Here's a really amazing story. The, they didn't have enough preachers to cover everything. They said, we need some deacons. They call out seven men uh, full of the Holy Spirit. They call Stephen. They name him. He's one of the deacons named. A little bit later, uh, he preaches uh, one great message, one great message, and they kill him. Do you know that was his calling? Do you guys get this? Now, I just want to ask a question. If you, for you Bible readers, did Stephen have any impact whatsoever on everything? If you know your Bibles, right after that happened and right after they killed him, the, all of the Christians that were caught up in Jerusalem went throughout all the empire and converted the whole empire <laughs> because of Stephen. So Stephen's job was not to evangelize all of Asia. His job was preach one message, die, and that will convert a whole entire uh, empire. Is anybody getting this? He was called, and he did what he was called to do, and no one could have done what Stephen did. <clears throat> Galatians 2.9, last one. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, uh, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go into the heathen and unto the the circumcision. Now, I was going to, Peter here is Cephas. I was going to kind of uh, zero in on, on Cephas, but it says James, Peter, James uh, Cephas, and John. But here's the thing. Those brothers, guess what they did? Stayed in Jerusalem. Is anybody getting this? All of these guys are preachers. Some evangelize continents. Some preach one message. Some help other people. And some just stay home in church. They stayed in Jerusalem, never left, never went anywhere. They just stayed in Jerusalem and preached. Why? That was their calling. Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter is known as the apostle to the Jews. And they had different callings, and they couldn't do what the other one did. <clears throat> so let's, make, uh, let, let's, let's try to get this down where the rubber meets the road, and we'll let you guys go home. Let me just ask this simple question I want to ask to everybody that is here. Every single, if you've understood anything I've said, <clears throat> I want you to think about this question. You can write it down. I want you to really think about it. It's deep and it's profound. What do you enjoy doing at church? Is that complicated? What do you enjoy doing at church? When you come to Sand Hill, what do you enjoy doing? Truth is, sometimes you got to do what you're not called to do, and that's another message. Sometimes I do what I'm not called to do, but I know what I enjoy doing. And I kind of see what a lot of you enjoy doing, because when certain things come up, it's just like you're Johnny on the spot, because that's what you enjoy doing. Guess what, people? That's your calling. That's what you're called to do. Don't want somebody else's. 
want what God gave you. I'm trying to show you that God in heaven before you were ever born set you up to be here today to do what he called you to do. Be happy with it and do it. What do you enjoy doing at church? I know that's extremely simple, and maybe I'm, making, maybe I'm too simple, but I really think we could probably figure out what our callings are if we just figure out what we enjoy doing at church. Does what you enjoy doing at church uh, help the church? That might be a good question to ask, too. You say, I really enjoy doing this. Well, just make sure someone else enjoys you doing it. <clears throat> now, see if this makes any sense to you. I wrote down, the next thing I wrote down, you can write this down if you want to, being led by your passion. Um, now, so let me ask this question. Can our callings change as time goes on? Absolutely. I can remember a time when Renee was kind of really caught up in the children's ministry, right? And, and, and it seemed to be her calling. I thought, well, that'll always be her calling. But as time has went her passions have begun to go to other things. And, and now there's, there's women's ministry and there's, there's the podcast, and all these things. but there's, I see, you know, and, so, and, and I just want to make sure you understand this. Just because you're afraid to do it doesn't mean God's not calling you because most all of us are afraid to do it, right? But when you, when you have that desire to do it, that passion to do it, follow your, follow your passion, I shared this with the men, and I'm not going to go into detail with it now, but this just spoke so loudly to me. I know that I know that I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know that I am in my calling. I know why I am here. I know what God has gifted me with. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know I'm supposed to, where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be pastor in Sand Hill Church. We went to the men's retreat this weekend. A lot of things happened. We don't have time to tell you guys all of it. But as I was there, there was a love that started welling up inside of me and a passion and an excitement for something that I had never thought about doing before. And, and I've been studying on this message all week long, and the Lord said, follow your passion. Is anybody getting this? When there's something that excites you, when there's something that you love, you know, I, I'm not going to tell all Josh's secrets, uh, but, but Josh started out, uh, you know, running this youth camp, you know, all these years ago, and it has greatly evolved, and it is evolving as today. And I, as I watch Josh from the outside looking in, I see his heart beating a little bit faster when we start talking about where the new thing is going. That's calling. That, that's calling. You're, what we did years ago, maybe, no, not so, but this right here, this, this makes me excited. And I just want to say that that applies to everybody here. Don't wait for a flash of lightning. Don't wait for your call to preach. Don't wait for God to say, I want you to sing a special in a song. You know what? Say, God, I'm here. If it is, um, uh, um, I, I thought about a woman and Brenda. <clears throat> I'll be honest, no offense to you sisters, but if I had to come over here on Saturday and spend all day cleaning this church up, <laughs> I mean, that would be torture to me. But, you know, they get excited about it. They go buy things to make the church look pretty. They spend all day getting it positioned exactly in the right spot. They can't wait for us to come in and see how nice and decorated the church looks. Don't you guys appreciate what they do making this church look nice? Amen. See, that's a calling, and they enjoy it. I would hate it. Is anybody following me? I would hate it because that's what they're called to do. 
We don't need an entire church full of people that are called to decorate this church, but we do need some. Sister Karen cleans our church. You say, that's not very important. Well, what if she stops doing it? What if she stops doing it? It is important. And if you've talked to Sister Karen, she takes that about as serious as I take preaching. I mean, that is serious to her. What I'm saying is, I heard, I, I don't even remember who said this, but a long, long time ago I heard someone say, there was a guy who was uh, cutting the church's grass, and he, he, I think it was a lot of grass, took a lot of time, many, many hours a week, and he was out there cutting the grass, and he was always just so happy and smiling, just tickled that, like when he got on that tractor, he, would just, he was just so beside himself cutting that grass. And someone, you know, asked him, said, you know, it takes all of this time up and all this work, I mean, you act like you're enjoying it so much. What is, he said, this is the Lord's grass. He said, it's not that important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's the Lord's grass, and I get to cut it. I get to cut Jesus' grass. Beat that. Right? Now, if God's called you to cut the grass, is there anything more important you can do than cut the grass at church? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? The Bible is clear. There's no big eyes, little U's. There's no important things, little not important things. There is a calling on every Christian's life that meets perfectly with what we need. And we can build a church here that, that will do anything God wants it to do if all of you will just do what God's called you to do. And what God's called you to do is what you get excited about doing. And I think that is about as simple as your pastor can make it. <clears throat> So, I'm done. Um, I hope that you got it. I hope that you will go out of here. See, we have a great church. We have a phenomenal church. We have a lot of exciting things going on. Uh, there are many who I think know exactly why you're here. I think there are many, many of you who love Jesus with all of your heart and you do anything he asks. You just haven't quite figured out what that is yet. Let me just tell you, follow your passion. Follow what really excites you. And when you do... You're probably going to bless a whole lot of other people and find out why you're here. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.